The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie is doing everything they can to help hashtag DGENs only cash big. Use promo code SGP for a 50% deposit bonus. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new daily fantasy sports app built specifically for player props. Download the app in the App Store and use promo code SGP for an instant deposit match of up to $50. That's ThriveFantasy.com, promo code SGP. Sign up and prop up today. We are also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for avid sports bettors, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks from cappers and bettors alike, including the crew from SGPN. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Check out all their free videos at betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas. And finally, we're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in paperhead providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP. Ho, 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 and welcome to this MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I hope all you little degenerates have been especially good this year. So Santa brings you winning betting slips in your stockings, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. I hope you all get winning betting slips in the future. Uh, my name is Jeff Fox. I am the host of this here program, uh, and this is Episode 7. Uh, I also cover UFC and NBA for sportsgamblingpodcast.com and I run my own MMA site uh, for the past decade or so mma-manifesto.com so make sure you head over there we've got contests and lots of lots of goodies um, for your eyeballs um, as per usual I have a co-host here um, he is uh, I won't start insulting him yet we'll, we'll save that for until we start breaking down how bad he did again last week, but we'll just we'll just go right ahead and introduce him. He is the um, my right hand man at MMA-Manifesto.com. He's also the host of two other MMA podcasts, which you should listen to: the Top Turtle MMA Podcast and Prelim Picker Podcast. And that would be Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Hello, Daniel. Hey, I appreciate you laying off on the insults early because it has been. An especially bad run for me lately. There are a couple of picks I was proud about on this, but I, as I was saying right before we got to taping, this is by far my worst stretch of picks in a very long time, and which it just makes it the most perfect time to happen to have started uh, hosting a gambling podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I I can vouch the the picks Dan makes for for our site. He uh, for MMA Dash Manifesto. He he normally is, is quite good with those picks. He uh, he's even good at, at picking underdogs. But since we've started this program and going on the air, um, I'm looking at his his record is 25 and 33 overall. Um, he had one winning week. He was six and four one week. Um, other than that, it's been all in the red for Dan. And, uh, last week, uh, which was what UFC Fight Night, uh, Thompson versus Neil, he was a big three and eight, uh, including getting the top four fights all wrong. Um, I did a bit better. I started off hot three three straight, and then um, I hit an underdog. I got plus 110 on that. Then I, and I also I had two underdogs actually. I got a plus 120 and a plus 110. But then I got the top three fights wrong also, which is great. So I, I ended up six and three. So um, we I was 32 and 26 since we started the the podcast. Dan's 25 and 33, and we're both down money. So we'll just stop talking about that at this point. But uh, it's the end of the year. We get to start over, right? It's, we're exactly. all zero and zero, and we're at yep. zero money. Yeah, we're right exactly. in the black. Yeah, it's one of those rules where cal- calories don't count uh, at Christmas, and uh, our your your betting record uh, rolls over and uh, gets reset uh, come uh, 2021. That's just the way it goes. So, um, speaking of last week's event, which, like I said, was UFC Fight Night Thompson versus Neil, aka UFC Vegas 17, um, had I think three fights fall out, um, which is. Uh, per usual with, with them running during the, the pandemic here. I think that's why they booked 
like 14 or 15 fights to begin with because they expected a whole bunch to fall out. Um, very uh, exciting looking event on paper. I'd say it wasn't quite so exciting when it actually uh, happened in 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 real life. Um, it was a decision fast. There was only three fights that that um, we got finishes in. All the rest, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, I think I believe there was 12 fights total. Yeah, nine decisions. Um, some some surprising ones that we wouldn't have expected to go to uh, decision, but overall it was kind of a, a blah uh, event in in my opinion at least. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. And the weird thing too is that not only were they decisions, but like there there weren't even a lot of decisions where you were like, ooh, that's close. I wonder how the judges scored this. Like Anthony Pettis Morona was was twenty nine twenty eight across the board, but like you knew Anthony Pettis won those last two rounds. You know, like, uh, Panny Kianzad beat Sajar Eubanks, same thing, 29-28, but you knew Panny clearly won rounds two and three. Um, you know, you had the, the Christos-Giagos fight in the very beginning where he just massacred Carlton Minus. Uh, same with Tefan Chukwi, just massacring Jamie Pickett. It was like one-sided beatdowns, or at least, at the very least, rounds that were not hard to tell who won them. So I think that's that also contributed to it. There was no point in time where you were like, ooh, this is a nail-biter, it, it was like you pretty much knew what happened and what was going to happen, and then on top of that, you didn't get any finishes. Yeah, that's a very good point. One, I, I always like to check MMADecisions.com, which I believe you do too, um, to, to see if any of the judges' scores are, were out of whack with, with what the media or or the fans think. And there was like no disputed decisions last night. Pretty much everything was 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 cut and dry. Um Including including the main event, we may as well start there. The main event was uh, a whitewash for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He won all five rounds on the judges' cards, and pretty much in my eyes, also, um, he, he just showed how difficult an opponent he is, how difficult it is to to even look halfway decent against him, let alone let alone beat him with uh, with his style and his um, his savviness in the in the cage. Jeff Neal had had no answers for it. Yeah, the the thing for me that that really stuck out too is is you're right, no answers for the style, right? Like it, it didn't look like I mean, granted there is a little bit of a speed discrepancy, you know, but I thought Neil had the power and Neil had the wrestling, and I thought at some point he'd figure out enough of how to get close to Wonder Boy, but he just didn't. Like and and that was like the frustrating thing. Like you watched one round and you're like oh, he's never going to figure out how to get inside. We're just about to watch that first round four more times. And that's literally what happened. Like, we watched round one five times, which I guess is kind of to your earlier point about how it was, like, kind of a boring fight card because of that. But, like, I guess you can't fault Jeff Neal for that. The guy's been out for a year. You know, his his previous bouts were not against guys like Wonderboy. His previous bouts are against guys like you know, Bilal Muhammad and Nico Price and Mike Perry. So, like, he's never fought anybody close to what Wonderboy is. And, you know, take a year off while you have congestive heart failure real quick uh, and then come back to fight the most difficult style matchup that exists. So I don't fault him, but, man, is that frustrating to watch. Yes, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a real fun fight. Neither guy really even damaged each other much other than that that uh accidental headbutt which which busted both guys up it was a night for headbutts there, there was one earlier in the night too um but yeah it's uh it, which is kind of the the, the surprising thing with Wonderboy thompson fights he you expect him and especially when he entered the ufc you expect these crazy amazing um exciting fights because of his his uh explosive uh, unique um, striking style, but most times you, you get a fight like like this where he's just too smart to to get himself dragged into into firefights with guys. So you end up getting a very tactical, smart. Um, I'll just say boring, boring fight. Yeah, and I, the the weird thing too is that the only people who have been able to beat him, with the exception of the Pettis knockout, which was a freak knockout, and I'm still saying that that's a fluke. Um, you know. Pettis haters can at me on Twitter if they want, but like, or Pettis lovers rather can at me on Twitter if they want, because like that, that was a fluke. He, he is not a better fighter than Wonderboy. but the only people who've been able to beat him other than that are people who play that same sort of point fight technical game as him and just managed to do it well enough that they scored a little bit more, right? Like that's how Darren Till beat him. 
He just played that really boring technical game and maybe landed like one more powerful shot than Wonderboy did. Like Tyron Woodley did mostly the same thing in their fights, which one of them was fairly exciting and the other one was boring as hell. Um, so like the only people who are able to do that are people who are super technical, which almost begs the question, like would Wonderboy do well against like Kamara Usman? Like would he do well against Colby Covington? Like, I know that, like, he's probably not in line for the next title shot or the next, like, you know, fight with Colby Covington because Colby wants, I don't know what Colby wants, but it's probably not Wonderboy. Um, so, like, it sort of begs the question, like, would he do well against them even if he's not in line for those shots? Right. Yeah. Um, and I know he's was saying all week he doesn't want to be the quote-unquote gatekeeper of the division, but I think last night just pretty much proved that that's exactly what he is. Not that that's a bad thing, but that they've fed him two up and coming uh, younger guys in uh, Luke and Neil now, and he's he's both stopped stopped both of them from getting up to to the top of the division. But like you said, does he beat anyone who already is in, in the top of the division? I mean, I'd take him against Masvidal again. I would say that. Right. You know, I got yep. he beat him once, and there's a reason he beat him once. It's because Masvidal is a little bit reckless and isn't going to get inside on on. Wonder Boy is going to eat kicks and all that kind of stuff. So I'd take him over Masvidal again, but I, you know, I, I it's weird because I just don't see. I, I don't think Colby could out wrestle him or get close enough to wrestle him without getting stung with something. Usman maybe, but like it's weird. I actually think his style matchup does pretty well against those guys. I, I do think it's worth at this point in time, even though he's kind of boring throwing him against one of those guys because he's 37 years old. If the guy's going to get a chance at the title one more time, it, it's probably time to do it now because he's running out of time. Right. Yeah. It, it's pretty much now or never for him. Um, in the co-main event, uh, Jose Otto beat Marlon Chito Vera, but he didn't look particularly amazing doing so. He, he basically fought smarter than, than Vera. Um, it, I think it showed that he's not totally, uh, totally shot uh despite losing three straight heading into this but i i don't think it's it's portending anything um anything to to him being an elite fighter again in the future no i mean he beat the number 15 ranked guy in the division which you know good for him for finally getting a bantamweight win but at the same time like if his aspirations are to fight for the title again which i think they are he's he's mentioned he wants to be a two division champ i I don't think vera was is a win that makes you feel real great about it you know like marlon vera is a guy who recently lost to Song Yudong. Like, so, and, and we're not talking about Song Yudong as a future champ either. It, it's weird that we just, and I'm looking down the card now, it almost makes sense top to bottom if we're talking about this card. It, it was almost entirely, and maybe this is the other frustrating thing too, it was almost entirely like the guys who were established in the division knocking down anybody trying to climb back up the division like from, from sneaking up on them. With the, with the exception of the font Moriah's fight, which we'll get to, but like, that's what Pereira did to Chaos Williams. That's what Tibera did to Greg Hardy. That's what Pettis did to Murano. Like, it's sort of that. I guess that makes it more frustrating. We were looking for some like storylines and some up and comers, and you know, here we have Marlon Vera coming off that that Sugar O'Malley fight where you you felt really good about him and you thought maybe he was about to make a run, and it just became more and more apparent that, I mean, right about the Sean O'Malley fight, that's probably where he fits in that division right now. Right. Now, you mentioned Pereira uh, Williams, um, two guys who, who could be named Chaos. Only one of them technically is named Chaos. Um, boring fight. Uh, to, to, but we, I, we were hoping for fireworks and cartwheels and crazy knockout punches, but both guys seem to um, be a little too uh, respectful of one another to or one another's power to, to pull anything off there. So the fight ended up being rather blah with, with Pereira uh, eking out a uh, decision victory mostly due to his his body body work he was doing on on Williams. Yeah, I almost don't think Williams was overly respectful to. I, I actually think Williams just couldn't figure it out. Like he didn't he didn't cut off the cage well. So so if you got a guy like Pereira who's doing all the that capoeira sidestepping, getting ready to do funky stuff, even though he didn't do anything funky until the third round, he still has that movement. And I, I think. Chaos just had a really terrible time trying to find a home for his right hand when a guy's moving like that. He wouldn't stand in front of him willingly, which we knew Pereira wouldn't. But also when you're not able to cut the cage off and force him to a little bit, 
he just was like looking for a shot that wasn't there. And once in a while he blitzed. And like you said, he got hit worked to the body enough that it was pretty clear that Pereira was winning, but yeah, kind of upsetting that we didn't get to see any like power punches from chaos. And we didn't get to see any crazy stuff with the exception of like one weird donkey kick in the third round from Pereira. Uh, but yeah, uh, that fight was one of those ones that everybody circled and was like, this fight is the people's main event. And it was, uh, I, I, I dare say maybe a bathroom break fight. Yep. Yeah. No, very true. Very true. There were, uh, we'll finish off the main card in a sec, but the, um, which were actually two fights where, where guys actually did uh, get finishes and they did actually um, move themselves up in the division probably after this. First, I want to tell you about our friends at mybookie.ag. It's the most wonderful time of a year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket and we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is my bookie. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet NFL, NBA, all your favorite college sports and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuff for a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is what's about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. So it's simple. Sign up and enter promo code SGP and get your Deposit match halfway up to a thousand bucks. Head over to my bookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. Mybookie.ag promo code SGP. Now uh, you mentioned the first guy who who um, made a statement win, and that that would be um, your your neighbor, which you bet against, uh, Rob Rob Font, uh, who who. Um, TKO'd um, Marlon Morass after basically fighting off ground attacks from him and um, totally stymieing him uh, on the feet. Um, I don't know if this says um, more about uh, Font being a true contender or or whether um, Marlon is is shopworn at this point. Yeah, it's a great question, right? Because uh, the Marias we saw, who I was like convinced was going to be champion. You know, he knocked out Aljamain Sterling, Jimmy Rivera, and subbed Rafael Asuncao back-to-back-to-back. It doesn't seem to be the same guy anymore, right? Like, he was confident on the feet, stinging people. And, like, he went into that fight with Rob Font afraid to box Rob Font. Uh, and may- maybe that's that was smart because Rob Font tagged him, but maybe also Rob Font tagged him because he was afraid to box with him, right? And didn't seem to be interested in throwing punches at all. Font was able to let go a little bit more because he wasn't worried about getting hit back. Um, and that was almost the same thing with the Corey Sanhagen knockout too, which came before um, where he, he seemed like kind of worried about the striking of Corey Sanhagen. And then he got hit with that spinning wheel kick. So yeah, I, I don't know if he's shot or not. I don't know if that's the right call, but it's weird to see Rob Vaughn, a guy who, you know, we, me and you both kind of wrote off as a guy who who struggles when he steps up, right? He struggles when he fought Pedro Munoz. He struggled when he fought Rafael Asuncao. And now we got to step up eight times bigger than those in, in with a huge layoff, too, which it shouldn't be overlooked either, right? Like, he was off for, man, o- over a year before the Ricky Simon fight, which is not even like a huge competitor to be coming back from. So, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know whether or not to say which one of those it is or some sort of small combination of both of them. But, hell, props to him for that knockout and being one of the only three on the card. He obviously got a performance bonus. Yeah, which, speaking of that, it was strange. You, uh, Stephen Thompson actually got a performance bonus for um, for a decision victory, which is very, very rare. I, I can't remember the last time that, that happened. But. Yeah, well, and it, it's part of because of what we talked about, too, is right? It's yep. because they give away four no matter what. It's usually two performance bonuses and two guys on Fight of the Nights. But there were freaking, yep. there were freaking nine decisions in this, and they couldn't bring themselves to give Fight yep. of the Night to one of them, which just yeah, shows exactly. you how boring these decisions were. Yeah, no. Back to Morass. Um, this is something that betters should keep an eye on in the future. He's been knocked out two uh, past two fights, which is which come just a little bit over over two months. Um, October 10th and then December 19th, uh, both TKO'd in both of those. Beat Aldo, squeaked by Aldo, um, fight before that, and then was knocked out the fight before that by Henry Cejudo. So that's three out of four of his last fights. Um, within the past year and a half, have been knockouts. And this um, one and too. I, this one too. He got he got really wobbled by a jab. Yeah, um, that's which, bad news. Yeah, that's that's not good for the brain. So, um, if yeah. that's happening, that's definitely like you said, something to circle. 
Yeah, and he's that's thirty thirty two pro fights um, under his belt at this point. Uh, he's only thirty two, but the the number uh, the amount of miles on the tires are are, uh, are more important than, than his actual age. So that's something you may want to look at um, depending uh, who he's fighting down the road. Um, not that, and plus you don't see a huge amount of, of knockouts in these lower lower weight divisions. So that's another uh, scary thing: the fact that he's he's getting knocked out at 135 pounds. So down the road, assuming he's not uh, fighting uh, a wrestler or a jujitsu guy, and if he's fighting a striker, assuming he's still in the UFC, who knows? He 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 could be cut at this point. He's he's high priced guy and he's he's getting knocked out a lot. But uh, down the road. Uh, Guy, you may want to look at uh, betting against if he's if he's going up against a puncher because once your chin's gone, it's gone. Um, and then the other finish in the main card, uh, Marcin Kaibura. We had this one uh, right. We both had it right. Uh, he TKO'd Greg Hardy, the um, the disgraced former NFL player. Um, Kaibura, that's four straight wins for him, I believe, which should should uh, get you pretty high in the in the heavy uh, division as weak as, as the heavyweight division. Um, he hasn't really made much noise up to this point. This is pretty much a, a his biggest high profile win um, as of late, at least. Hardy looked fairly decent, but but his usual issues came uh, came to head in, in the second round. His his lack of grappling and his lack of of cardio. Um, he's he seems tends to gas. He's little. Um, he carries uh, extra weight around the midsection, which he would probably uh, be well advised to, to get rid of. He, he struggles to, to meet the heavyweight limit of 265. I believe he was 266, which is uh, the the bare um, requirement to, to make it in, into the division or the max requirement to make it into the heavyweight division. Um, he has asthma, and he, he seems to uh, struggle with his cardio. So he definitely... Uh, I suggest losing losing some weight. Skill wise, he, he he looked fairly good in this fight, um, but once again, it's the grappling which which did him in, which is what I I expected. He uh, expected the grappling would be the decisive factor here, and it was the the ground and pound that ended up uh, doing him in. Yeah, and I would say this too. I, I definitely agree with you that he would be it would help him out a lot to not be doing a weight cut, right? Like doing a weight cut is automatically a thing that's going to cost you. But I also think that that's probably not going to solve all of his problems because part of his problem is is that every single one of his punches, he seems to exert himself pretty heavily, right? Like he, he's not throwing anything half-assed, right? Like everything he throws is with his whole body. Um, don't get me wrong. He, he had a couple of like, you know, his jab looked sharper in round one. But even then, you can see like a lot of energy going into all of that. And he is a very physically strong guy. There's a reason he played in the NFL, right? Like he is massive in terms of muscle and body structure and all of that kind of stuff. So I even think if he loses weight, we're going to see cardio issues with him unless he changes his like physical makeup, right? Because we see physically strong guys who who know not to use their whole body like he does or we see guys who are a little bit leaner and have a little bit more tone to them, right? Like, there's a reason John Jones looks like he does, and even though he's bulking up, is not going to look like Greg Hardy, right? Like, so I think some of it is his, you're right, he could lose some weight and not have to deal with a weight cut, but I think there's probably more to it than that, too. I'll also say this, for anybody who's just writing this loss off on the fact that it was mostly his his grappling, I think we definitely need to point to the fact that, like, he was getting outboxed in the second round, too, right? Like, he, he won the first round. His boxing looked good. The freaking announcing team could not say enough about how many improvements he's made, which was maybe a little bit over the top. Because in that second round, he was getting outboxed by Marcin Tybura, a guy who you do not get outboxed by. So I, I, I'm not sold yet that even fixing the weight issues would solve this problem. I know he's making gains every time out but like at, at 30 what is he 32 33 years old like yeah i, I believe 32 yeah I, I know you can last longer in the heavyweight division but i feel like he's almost at the point where he's learning too much on the job here and we're probably not going to see enough improvements to see him beat anybody the caliber of marcin tybura who's you know he as of this morning he's not ranked he might squeak in at a number 15 behind somebody like you know andre arlovsky but like right now we're talking about greg hardy being in his physical peak, probably, and not being good enough to beat Marcin Tybura. 
Yeah, that's exactly that, – that sums, sums them up right there perfectly. Uh, yeah, the second round, the wheels fell off in, in all, all, all aspects of the of the fight game for him, whether all that has to do with, with cardio or, or what, who's to say. But um, but I, I agree. Uh, he, he, I agree with the announced team. He did, did look good in the first round, but, but like I said, the wheels fell off after that. Um, only other fight basically really worth mentioning, um, you being a jiu-jitsu uh, – Purple belt and and nerd, you probably want to break down the the flyweight fight between Jimmy Flick and, and Cody Durden. Yeah, I always want to break down Jimmy Flick and Cody Durden. Um, actually, I just want to always break down Jimmy Flick. What a ridiculous way for that fight to end, too, right? Because I, I mean, I couldn't stop talking about how good Jimmy Flick's jujitsu was, and then he comes out and and Durden was putting it on him, right? Like Durden looked good in the, the first three minutes. There, it was. You know, 15 seconds of not even really a mistake on Durden's part. He went for a takedown. He got underneath one leg, which I guess maybe he was going for a single or just flick moved in a weird way. And suddenly flying triangle and the adjustments on the flying triangle, too, I just have to say were absolutely beautiful. For those of you who didn't see it or need to go back and watch it in slow motion, watch him readjust his thigh to the shoulder of Durden on the way down. Like, he knew his his leg was too low on his arm as he was falling and fixed it as he was falling. You know, a great readjustment by grabbing the foot and locking the triangle. I mean, like, you could do a slow-motion breakdown of this fight, or this triangle, and it's just everything was picture-perfect. The one thing I will say, though, is that this fight made me less confident that Jimmy Flick is, like, a real thing in this division. You know, and I, I don't mean to disparage him because he just coming off an amazing win, but, like, Oh, man, like, I I was really certain that that grappling was going to be enough for him to take out some, like, maybe top 10 guys. And just watching him get peppered on the feet by Cody Durden, who, I mean, he's got some striking, but, like, if you're getting outboxed really badly by Cody Durden, you're probably not going to hang in there with the guys on the edge of the top 10. You know, the Tyson Nams of the division. Tyson Nam is just going to flatten you, right? Like, so, I I mean, like... I, I'm really happy. I loved watching the grappling, but was like a little bummed that I didn't see more improvements in like a better version of Jimmy Flick in other other situations. Because I love Jimmy Flick. He's, he's entertaining as hell. Yeah, and you think this, um, how much improvement is, is going to happen at this point? He's 30 years old, just entered the UFC now, and he's got 21 pro fights under his, his belt already. So he's pretty be much probably set as as to the type of fighter that that he's going to be yeah and in two like you know you mentioned he's 30 that's not that old but it is kind of old. like the the further r you are down in weight class the more that age means right like people age really fast in the young weight classes you can fight to your 45 at heavyweight but like you know if you go back and look at some of his other losses on the regional scene too like they're they're just people who won't grapple with him like, Ray Rodriguez didn't grapple with him. Chris Gutierrez, who eventually got to the UFC, didn't grapple with him. You know, like, you just look at those guys doing that kind of thing, and, like, you know, that's alarming. Like, he's not going to be able to just take down every flyweight in the UFC at will. I mean, he couldn't even really take down Durden, right? Like, Durden made the mistake of clinching him, and that's the only reason it went to the ground. So there you go. That that puts a... A bow on uh, on the UFC in 2020. I'm sure we'll have some more recap stuff over, over the next couple of weeks. Um, before we get to our next segment here, we're going to preview what 2021 will bring us. Uh, I want to tell you about Thrive, Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Just in time for the holidays, we're teaming up with Thrive Fantasy for an awesome SGP merch bundle. So send in a screenshot of you joining Thrive Fantasy with the promo code SGP. And you'll have a chance to win $100 in SGP merch. Just email your screenshot to podcast at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact in the game. If you want to play NFL, choose 10 out of 20 available player props to build your lineup. If you want to play NBA, which is starting back up in a couple of days, uh, PGA, baseball, when it starts back up, esports, uh, whatever you like, choose 5 out of the 10 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 50,000 guaranteed prizes weekly and has awarded over 1.6 million in cash prizes. 
So make sure you use the promo code SGP when you sign up today, and you'll receive an instant match up to $50 in your first deposit with a four times rollover. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting the website thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today, and don't forget our promo code SGP for us sports gambling podcast people. All right. Um, figure with no uh, event coming up this weekend for Dan to butcher all the picks on, um, we will look ahead a little ways to, to what the first quarter or so of 2021 has to offer us, and uh, we'll we'll make some, some preliminary picks, and then um, – Hopefully, uh, hopefully Dan's picks uh, will be will be all wrong as per usual, and, but but you guys will forget about it by the time the fight rolls around because we're a few months few months out. So uh, what we're going to do here is um, Dan has not looked at the posted lines for any of these fights, so I'm going to do a quick breakdown of the fight. I'm not doing the usual stat breakdown and stuff that, that I'm doing. I'll do that once we actually get to fight week, but basically just a, a quick overview of, of the guys fighting. And we'll see um, if Dan can, um, can pick a, a decent line and, and we'll also um, decide who we think uh, is going to win the fight just at first, first glance. So first big fight of uh, the new year will be um, on the UFC fight Nate Holloway versus Cater fight card which is the next fight card, January 16th. Um, at venue TBD. I'm not sure if this one's going to be in Vegas or if it's going to be on the mythical fight island. So it'll be one one or the other. So uh, headlined by a featherweight battle between former champ Max Holloway and current up-and-comer Calvin Cater. Um, Holloway is on a bit of a slump but he's basically only only lost to to the same guy twice uh he lost his featherweight title to alexander volkanovsky back in december of last year and then he lost the rematch this past summer to volkanox volkanovsky also it was split decision this time so he got a little bit closer um looking back he's the only person he's actually beat since uh april of 2019 is frankie edgar um he lost to dustin poirier before that uh which was up a weight class at at uh, lightweight which was for the interim uh lightweight championship so he, he only fights top guys but he's not been doing quite so hot as of late um as for uh, cater he is on a uh, a bit of a tear which which gets him this high profile fight um Beat Dan Ige, Ige last time in, um, knocked out Jeremy Stevens with elbows uh, right before that. That that, um, that were, was his two fights for 2020. Uh, he lost to Zabit um, November of last year. Um, and then before that, he, he reeled off a couple more wins. So he's won his last two. He's won four of his last last five uh, fights. Um, and this, like I said, this will be a five-round featherweight battle. Um, now, do you want to predict the line first Dan or you want to give a little breakdown of the fight what do you think let's let's predict the line first and we can see how close okay. I am now I'm, I'm gonna ask you what you consider a win if I'm in, within 200 can we say within 200 is a win like like what if it's minus 100 you say minus 300 that's a oh, win. oh no no plus plus uh, <laughs> scratch that scratch that 20 is okay. what I meant so like if, okay, if gotcha. I say yep. if I say plus 130 and it's plus 150 I'm still oh good. yeah of course okay yeah, so, so that's what we'll do plus plus or yep. minus 20 uh, we count as a win. So for this one, Holloway, I got to imagine Holloway's big name plays well. The fact that Cater's not super famous. He hasn't fought anybody. Left. I'm going to say Holloway. Let's go negative 190 for Holloway. And plus. Bingo. Boom. Look at that. You nailed it. Sorry. Yeah, negative 190. You nailed it. And uh Cater is plus 155 uh, on the comeback. So yeah, so that, wow. that that seems about right, right? Because like you know, you think about the guy as a former champ, you think about the other guy stepping up uh, big, but but then you see the trends going in the other way, right? Because if it was just a former champ who is still on a roll, if it was just an up and comer who maybe hadn't just reeled off a couple of really nice wins, you you might see Cater, you know, as low as like you know plus 250 or moving in on plus 300, but the trends are at least going to pull it a little closer. I'm going to be honest, last week I said something about wanting to pick the Boston guy, but just the more and more I think about it, there's a lot of alarming things in this fight for Cater, right? Like, Cater usually has the speed advantage. Cater usually has the boxing advantage. Cater usually, um, I mean, like, looks better in the clinch than some guys. I just don't see any of that against Max Holloway now. Um, And originally I was 
100% going to pick him as the Boston guy. I whiffed on Rob Font, the Boston guy, not picking him this past week, and I think I'm going to make the mistake twice. Um, obviously, I, we'll, we'll do a little bit more of a breakdown when we get close to that card, but yeah, I think Holloway's volume here is probably too much, and there might even be value in the negative 190 mark if that's where it is come fight time. Yeah, um, he does. Uh, Holloway does um, put way more volume out there than just taking a quick glance the, at the stats. The, the, the five round, and, the five round aspect is yep. just going to exemplify that too, right? Like the, right. the the fact that he's doing this over 25 minutes and has done it over 25 minutes like a hundred times. Like I, I mean, like that really bodes poorly for for Cater here too. Right. Plus, Cater gets hit more than he he dishes out, which is is not a good thing um, for for when he fights, obviously. Um, but is does Holloway hasn't really shown that he's shot? I wouldn't say, but it's it's alarming when you lose three out of four and uh, and, and you've been fighting for as long as he has against the level of competition he's he's been fighting against. So that's something you you have to keep in mind, I think, when, when you're eventually uh, picking a winner for this fight. For sure. And But the one thing I will say about that, though, too, is the, the three losses to only two different people are both to people who have quite a bit of a size advantage over him or strength advantage, at right. least. You know, like, you know, Volkanovski, obviously not taller. He's a shorter guy than than uh, Holloway, but, like, has a clear strength advantage. Same with Poirier. Like, that was the clear difference there is that, like, when Poirier hit him... It was like, wow, Poya hit him. When when right. Holloway hit him, it was like, oh, that's a nice, cute jab. Um, so like, I think here Cater doesn't have that clear size adv- or you know strength advantage. I think he might have a little bit, but like not clearly enough that I would feel really comfortable picking him. Right, he he'll have three inches of reach, but but it's like you said, it's the strength, um, and, and the fact that, um, that Holloway's fought up a weight class also. He he's fought some heavy hitters at uh or at least one heavy hitter at um at lightweight so um and you mentioned something there we may want to touch on in the next couple weeks when we maybe do some segments on betting strategies but how big name guys like holloway and another guy we're going to talk about in a couple more fights how big name uh guys that casual fans would know um can really skew the the betting odds and and could offer some value for for people that actually do the research and and know a bit more than casual people do about sport for sure yeah and and i think too we probably could have seen that a little bit in the the wonder boy line too like it, it it's surprising you know his trend of of losing a couple in a row made it a little bit closer to even but i, I think definitely the name value of there of wonder boy always holds him up a bit all right now we'll move on to uh the next fight this is actually going to be their they're going to try to do an international fight week um, type of type of deal. Uh, I think they're going to plan the plan on doing it on their on their uh, UFC Fight Island um, in the uh, UAB or UAE. Sorry. Um, now this would be a Wednesday night card. They haven't announced the headliner yet, but it's expected to be the rescheduled Leon Edwards and Hamzat Chimiev uh, fight. Um, is expected to, to go down here after both guys hopefully are, are getting over COVID and are healthy once again. I guess Chimiev is not ever publicly acknowledged that he had it, but, but the rumor was that, that uh, he had it also. Leon Edwards definitely did and pulled out of the fight. So what do you think, uh, I'm not sure if you saw the line when they were originally scheduled uh, to fight, but what do you think the line for uh, this one with the the um, veteran Edwards against the up and coming uh, Chimiev. So I, I didn't remember seeing that this line uh, because I, we weren't quite into like breakdown mode for this one yet, but I have to right. imagine the hype behind Chimiev is got to be pulling that line way in his favor um, because it should be in Leon Edwards' favor. The guy's number three in the world and has beaten everybody not named Kamara Usman essentially that he's been faced with. So you would imagine he's a favorite, but Chimeyev, you know, like a knockout over Reese McKee is enough to get, to get people interested, or a submission over Reese McKee, rather, is enough to get people interested in him. So uh, I'm going to say Chimeyev is going to be the favorite, but I'm going to go negative 120. Negative 170. He's oh, a, my uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a huge, a huge favorite. So... Um, might be some value on on Edwards on that one. Edwards is at plus 140 at this point. Um, the the only like Chimeyev is it's looked amazing, but you have to look at at who he's fought. Um, he's 
he fought. Um, Gerald started Mearshart. off against. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gerald Mearshart, which is decent, but he's uh, he's nowhere uh, near the the physical. Uh, doesn't have the physical attributes that that uh, Chimeyev has, and um, got totally starched there. He beat uh, debuting on short notice, Reese McKee, and then he beat John Phillips, who was never really never really proved to be UFC caliber, and he uh, has since been cut. So that that's the one um, the one issue with uh, Chimeyev. Plus, he's only been in the UFC since July of this year, so this is uh, he's got the rocket strapped to him uh, most definitely. Edwards is a like I said, a veteran who's who's been around uh, forever does not not the level of athlete or level of power or size or any of that stuff that Chimeyev has, but he's um, he, he's bought uh, beat a lot of big names. He beat RDA, he beat Donald Cerrone, uh, he beat Vincente Luque. He's beat some very very good fighters in his UFC career. Uh, he fought Kamaru Usman but but lost. But uh, he's been around the UFC for six years, so there may be some some um value in in uh, the number when you hear gumby thinking uh Chimaf should just be a a slight favorite in this one um do you think edwards has a decent chance yeah, enough to win this one yeah absolutely and i, I you know when i was saying i thought Chimaev might come at a negative 120 which now i'm one for one on those picks too so we're, we're trending right about where we usually do um yeah. even when i was saying that you know that would mean that the Edwards is coming back at like plus 110 or maybe even money. I would say there was even value there. Like Shemaev, you mentioned, he hasn't really fought all that high level of competition with the exception of Mearshart. But like the other thing too is he's just used the very dominant game plan of the opposite of what that, that specialist is good at, right? Like Reese McKee, great boxer, can't grapple for much, right? So he outgrapples him. Same with John yep. Phillips. John Phillips calls himself the white Mike Tyson, right? Like, he's clearly out to box. He got out grappled. Then he fights a grappler in, in Gerald Mearshart and he knocks him out with good boxing. Granted, you have to have good enough boxing and wrestling to do the opposite thing to those guys. But like, we haven't seen a guy he's fought who hasn't had a very clear weakness in their game, which Leon Edwards doesn't have a very clear weakness in their game. So I'm interested to see what he goes in with a game plan, whether or not he can do it. But but that being said, you know, plus one four what, what do you say one forty or one forty five money on plus one forty yeah yeah that's yeah. insane that's that's definitely a line you want to hit. There you go. Uh, may want to get in early on that one. Uh, like I said, this fight has not officially been um, been announced, but Dana White said he was uh, aiming to have both guys fight on this card. I think it just depends on on their health at this point. Uh, haven't heard any reports that that there's any any issues and both guys should be ready to go um before we move on to the big um 155 pound uh irish gorilla in the room um let's tell you about better than dot vegas a better than dot vegas is an all new completely free website sharing thousands of handicapping videos it's like youtube but for what hashtag the gens only care about sports betting the best part is you'll be able to get video picks from S- the sgp crew like me I have two videos up there that we're exclusively posting over at betterthan.vegas. They cover all the sports as well. Um, so we got UFC picks from, from me, but we also have NFL, college football, college basketball, s- soccer. We got NBA. I've seen some NBA prediction, win total predictions up there now. Um, and if free video picks isn't enough, we're also giving away cash. $1,000 to the handicapper that wins the most units and $1,000 to the handicapper that has the most followers. So make sure you subscribe to SGPN page that's sports gambling podcast network page so the uh url for that would be sports gambling podcast.com slash btv so you don't miss any of our videos and if the sgpn page wins any cash they'll they will give it away to listeners so that's right so if, if we win the thousand dollars that's given away we will pass it on to you lovely people um so make sure you head over to betterland.vegas and that's better than dot Vegas. And you can see how out of control my COVID beard has, has gotten because it is getting pretty out of control. All right. Um, moving on to like the, the fight that the, the, the part of the program that everyone's probably, hopefully not, but, but they could be scrubbing through the, the uh, episode to, to listen to this part. This is a early breakdown of the rematch between Dustin Poirier and a guy named Connor McGregor. This will take place. At UFC 257, January 23rd. So that's um, the Saturday after after the Wednesday night card we, we just broke down the main event for. Um, this will be, like I said, this will be a rematch between the two. They previously fought at UFC 178 way back in September of 2014. 
Um, both were youngsters at that point. Poye 25 and McGregor was 26. So, so um, at that point, McGregor in that fight, McGregor knocked out uh, Poye or TKO'd Poye. So um, this would, is the long-awaited rematch, and this will be McGregor's uh, return to the cage, um, which should make the streets safer. Um, hopefully, he he's in the gym training and not out getting himself arrested as as per usual. So last. Uh, he last fought, uh, he fought earlier this year, actually, um, against Donald Cowboy Cerrone, which he uh, knocked out. Um, that was January of this year. So this will be about a year after his uh, previous fight, which is actually a quick turnaround for him uh, recently. Um, what are you thinking the line is for this one, Dan? So I'm going to say the name value of McGregor, paired with the fact that he already has a win, makes him a fairly sizable favorite here. Poirier obviously looked good fairly recently, right? Like he's done some some nice stuff. Let's say uh, negative for Gr- Conor McGregor as the favorite, which I'm assuming he is. Um, negative 185. No, you're way off. Negative 245. Ooh, man, and, undershooting his name value there. Yeah, and plus 205 for for Poirier. So. Um, Obviously, you're thinking there's value in Poirier then at that at that number. So yeah, so since I I have the line wrong, I I think there's probably a little value in him. But I'm gonna be honest, like if we we do one of those, you know, if you were flipping a coin and, and saying you know gun to your head, you had to pick the right one here. I'm picking Connor. Uh, I don't think Poirier is gonna win this fight, despite the fact that I like Poirier. I think his skill set. Um, is an interesting one here against Connor because I do think he has better grappling, which, you know, to be fair, that seems to be the weak spot of Connor. Um, but like, you know, he doesn't lean on it as much as he could, or he doesn't, you know, go to it as often as he could. And I, I just think too, Connor probably knows what he's getting into here with, with Poye. Um, and as a result, yeah, I, I think Connor here is probably going to outstrike him um even though you know he's been away for as long as he has I, I still have faith in Connor striking here and I think um he's probably my pick but yeah like I said um that name value of Connor McGregor is always going to drive that lineup so if you are interested in Poirier you might even want to wait to bet on him because even though the num the line is big now I bet you it gets bigger yeah, once McGregor starts talking and once the they actually start doing the proper fight uh, promotion, yeah, um, and once he's back on ESPN nonstop and and in the news, then yeah, you you could definitely see um, see the line growing on that. I'm going to take a quick um, quick gander here and see if if the line's moved uh, much since it's uh, since it's open. Um, you're speaking of Poye and his um, fighting style. Do you think he will fight smart enough to um, to take McGregor down, or you think he's he's going to try to um, get in a firefight with him and prove that he's tougher than him? And so I think he'll probably try to go in there, and he will probably try to grapple up Connor. But I don't know if he'll do it early enough that it will seriously deter Connor from his strikes or doing what he's doing. And I think maybe he'll be successful, but like. Let's remember that that Chad Mendez couldn't really hold Conor McGregor down all that long. And, and that's Chad Mendez against a, a shrunken down Conor McGregor. Um, against a Conor McGregor who seemingly um, was was in less good shape than he is at 55. And had less grappling abilities than he did at 50. Or, you know, since then, you know, he's clearly improved his grappling somewhat. Um, yeah, I, I think if... if you know, unless Poye hits him on the feet hard enough to sting him, I don't see him being successful with the grappling for any extended period of time that would make it meaningful. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the odds, they have, uh, I'm looking at bestfightodds.com. Uh, McGregor opened at minus 175, and he's now in the like, minus 220 range. So, um, but my bookie has him at minus 245, so he's he's even even higher than that. So he's definitely growing, and I think we both agree that it's probably gonna uh, gonna get even bigger uh, up to the lead up lead up to the fight. For sure, and that means my pick was perfect with the opening line, but I underestimated <laughs> right. how much people are playing with him. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, speaking of setting lines, maybe Dan would be interested in, in Ace Per Head. Uh, if you ever thought about starting your own sports book and don't know how, then Ace Per Head is here to help you. Uh, they'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support going 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, Ace Per Head offers live betting experience. Get started today and Ace is offering up to six weeks free. So go to aceperhead.com slash SGP, aceperhead.com slash SGP. But Dan had a sports book. I think his lines would be a little tight as as we're uh, going through these. Um, he's uh, he's under under shooting a lot, of, a lot of these ones. So I think you'd run a tight tight sports book, Dan. I think so too, but I, I have to I have to say the ones that are surprising me are like, I, I guess I'm just underestimating how much the name value of Connor and Chemaev drove things up I, I got right about where holloway's was but maybe uh maybe this next one or two will will put will write my ship here and i can end on a positive note yeah um which it, it can be useful if if you like edwards or or uh cater or poi in those fights and de- you, you could definitely get some get some value but um it sounds like we're basically going with with uh, at least at this point we're going with the chalk in most of those fights which Mix doesn't make the uh, the big line uh, good for us. It's the opposite, actually. Um, let's see. What other ones should we do here? How about a uh, heavyweight one that I saw is coming up? Just check. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be February. February 6th, uh, we got Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov. So two huge heavyweight uh, heavyweight fighters. So um, Overeem, which basically held every – Every heavyweight belt there is, other than the UFCs, and then the former Bellator uh, champ Alexander Volkov. So they will be fighting, like I said, February 6th, probably in White Island, but maybe this will be in Vegas. Uh, uh, hasn't been announced at this point. Um, what are you? Actually, I'll give you a quick breakdown of how these guys have done recently uh, before we put Dan on the spot. Um, Overeem has been around forever. Um, 66 pro MMA fights. Um, doesn't really look worse for wear either this is surprising considering he was basically knockoutable that's not a word but it is now he was knockoutable very early in, in his career but he's he's built up a, a smart fighting style to to protect himself so he's won his last two fights all uh both via tkos over augusto sakai and walt harris before that he was beating uh jarzinho rosenstrike before getting his uh bell rung and getting knocked out in his his face rearranged, his lip ripped off. Um, before that, he, he won two more fights via TKO. So basically, he's won four out of his last five. It would have been six straight had he not caught that uh, that punch with four seconds left in a fight to to lose. Um, he will be, like I said, he'll be fighting Alexander Volkov, the Russian fighter. He's uh, six foot seven. They call him Drago. Um, he's been around forever too. He's got 40 pro fights on his record, but he's just fairly recent in the UFC. Um, about four years ago, he beat Walt Harris also, uh, his last fight, um, which was back in October, but he lost to Curtis Blades before that, beat Greg Hardy before that, lost to Derek Lewis before that. So it's basically been a back and forth win, one, lose one, um, at least over the past what two years for him. So what are you thinking the line is for, for this matchup? I got to imagine that that Overeem is a sizable favorite in this, both because of his recent results and the again we we keep harping on the name value. The name value of Alistair Overeem is much higher than Volkov. I'm gonna say, oh, let's go. I, I gotta overestimate the name value here because I've been underestimating it every other time. Let's say um, Overeem negative two fifty five. Man, you're bad at this. You, you started off so promising. You nailed the first one. Now you're just horrible. Overeem minus 135. 135? Man. Yeah. Ah, so, so, you, so basically what you did is you slow played me into thinking name value is more important and then throw me one where uh, apparently the, the, the lines don't matter at all. Nope. Chronological. This is strictly chronological. <laughs> you're just getting worse worse with age. So um, Overeem minus 135. Volkov minus 100. Uh, so almost almost a pick'em fight at this point, which uh, I'm really liking uh, Overeem at, at that number, and it sounds like you you do too. Yeah, I think that that's an absurd line. Um, yeah, hit that early because I don't think he'll stay there. Uh, I do think Overeem is probably going to get played up. So um, depending on how long you like your money to be tied up in sports books, uh, obviously you don't want to hit it too too early if you know you're worried about the COVID calling this fight off or you're worried about you know having just money sitting somewhere. But negative 135 for for Overeem is an absurd number because 
not only is he probably a better striker than Volkov, but Volkov will get out-wrestled by Overeem if Overeem's having any trouble. Um, and we've seen Overeem recently recommit to being uh, a guy who can use his grappling, which is amazing because, like, he's had that his whole career, but, like, he hadn't always used it, right? And, like, we got to see him use it in that comeback win over Walt Harris. We got to see him take down Augusto Sakai a bunch of times. Like, he even took down Rosenstroke a couple of times in that fight before, like you said, he was winning. I mean, he won all but 10 seconds of that fight. Um, and granted, like, yeah, are, are his are his takedowns perfect? Definitely not perfect. But, like, he's a guy who can take somebody down should he need to. And Volkov's a guy who gets taken down, right? Like, Verdum took him down a couple of times. And, like, Verdum is... He's a submission specialist, but man, he is not good at takedowns. So like, I just have to imagine that Overeem matches him on the feet. It's not like Volkov's going in there and knocking everybody's heads off. So I imagine he matches him or betters him on the feet and then also has a backup plan uh, of the grappling. Like He's got too many paths to victory here. I think he should be like a negative 200 or more favorite here. So um, yeah, the negative 135 is a line I would hammer. Exactly. I don't think this was one of the ones that I found on my bookie at this point. I, I think this was on another uh, unnamed sports book. But um, yeah, if if most most books open at least uh, with most of them have have similar lines. So if you see it that low, we're both suggesting uh, grab it. And another one of uh, advantages Volkov is used to having, which is being much bigger than than his opponent. Um, won't be the case here. They have the same reach, and uh, he's six seven over in six four, so not a huge huge difference there either. Um, let's move on. Let's do one more, and then I think we've given you people enough for your money. Um, the main event. This hasn't been announced yet, but more than likely, the main event for UFC 258 will be um, a rescheduled UFC welterweight championship bout between Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns. Um, the, like I said, the we're going to fight back. When were they supposed to fight? UFC 256. Uh, Usman said he was injured and had to pull out of that. So um, he is the, like I said, the UFC welterweight champion. He is 17 and one as a pro. Uh, he hasn't lost a fight since his second pro fight ever, which was uh, May 2013. So he's on quite a roll. Uh, he most recently beat. Uh, Jorge Masvidal on the aforementioned at the aforementioned UFC Fight Island that was back in July. Before that, he defended his title against Colby Covington, aforementioned also uh, back uh, last December, and then he won the title uh, the match before that against Tyrone Woodley. Um, all those fights were decisions other than Covington, which which he finished. Uh, most of his fights are decision victories. Uh, nine out of 17 wins are via decision. Seven via knockout. Um, he's a smothering, controlling uh, wrestler. He'll be going against a jiu-jitsu master in Gilbert Burns, um, who's had quite a rise as of late to get himself into this into this title fight. He's 19-3 and three as a pro. Uh, he has won six straight Fights by my math. Uh, he lost to Dan Hooker, got knocked out by Dan Hooker in July 2018. But since that time, he's won six straight fights. Um, past two fights were, were the biggest name victories of his career, and they were both uh, his two fights in 2020. He knocked out Damian Maya, and then he beat Tyrone Woodley uh, via decision. Um, what are you thinking of uh, the line is going to be at this one? So I know that originally when they were first booked, so this was quite a while ago, they were first booked. I know Usman was chilling around like negative 150 to 160. So I'm going to actually say he's uh, he's more of a favorite than that now, given the time off, the fact that he got another fight in with Masvidal, which obviously ups his stock big time. So if he was originally negative 150, 160, I'm going to say he's up over two now. Let's say negative 210. Let's see. Yeah, you're very clear. You got this one. He's in the minus 220 range, it looks like, at this point, um, with Gilbert Burns at, at plus 180. Um, so I take it you don't see a huge amount of value in this one. Um, pretty, pretty big line, and it's basically right where – 
where, where you expect it to be at. Yeah, I actually do probably see a little bit of value here in, in Burns um, at, right. at plus 180. Because I think, like I said before, th- this line was originally lined around negative 150, negative 160, with Burns coming in at like plus 130 or 135. And, and I think that was probably right about where that line should have been. And I think that this layoff, while, while we're saying, you know, Masvidal, the Masvidal win gained a whole bunch of stock for Usman, did it really teach you anything about Kamara Usman that you didn't know? Like, he's he smothers people, and he smothered a guy who's not a great defensive grappler, right? Like, he, he did exactly to Jorge Masvidal what anybody who wants to beat Jorge Masvidal should do to him. Like, he didn't box with him. He put him up against the cage. He took him down. So, like, I don't think that taught me anything about Usman and then so for his line to go up you know negative 50 or negative 60 extra I actually think the line works better in the favor of Gilbert Burns here who I also thought had a chance when they were originally scheduled to fight and this long layoff doesn't change my thoughts that Gilbert Burns has a good chance in this fight he boxes really well his power looks better at 170 he's it's worth mentioning you know you mentioned he had that loss to Dan Hooker that's back when he was at, at lightweight, which he looked noticeably worse at lightweight, like much worse at lightweight. Um, you know, he's also got losses to Michelle Progeris down there and Rashid Magomedov. So, like, since he's come up, he's looked really, really good with his hands. Um, obviously, like, he's a little bit less physically strong for this division, but I, I also think Usman probably doesn't want to grapple him, right? Like, Usman didn't shoot any takedowns on Demi and Maya. Would he want to shoot a takedown on Gilbert Burns or would he want to try his boxing? And I actually think there, there might be a path to victory there in both cases, right? Like Burns could tag him with the hands. I mean, he did, you know, knock out Damian Maya. He did, you know, sting Tyron Woodley pretty damn hard. And, and like, if that's the case and he stings him on the feet and then Usman shoots the takedown, like, I'm not sure you want to be doing that with Gilbert Burns being as high level of a black belt as he is. So, I think the value's there on Burns, uh, especially as this line is creeped farther and farther apart because of the time off. And, and like I said, the Masvidal win, making this line wider is even, it, I mean, like that's a crazy sentence, but that's exactly what I think happened here. Yep. No, exactly. So, but for, uh, if we had to pick with the proverbial gun to our heads, are we both picking Usman, you think, at this point, at least? Oh, God, I think. No? I, I Oh, man. At this point, you're going to have to give me until the fight starts. But I think, yes, at this point, I'm going to – I would take Usman, gun to my head. But I don't feel good about it. And and when you start to factor in those odds, if we're talking gambling picks too, like there's no way I'm taking Usman at negative 215. Um, there's no way I would attach my name to an Usman pick at negative 215 against Gilbert Burns. But I would say proverbial gun to my head, have to get the pick right – I'd say he's got a little bit better of a than a 50% chance of winning this one. Yeah, probably not much of a uh, an exciting fight either. Is it's is more of a sure bet if you ask me. What are the odds it's going to be a, an exciting fight, Dan? Of this one, I would say if Usman wins, um, roughly two percent that it's exciting. <laughs> um, and that being said, I love Kamar Usman. I'm like a big Kamar yep. Usman fan. Uh, but if Gilbert Burns wins, I would say there's a 97% chance that this wound up being exciting. Because in order for really? Gilbert Burns to win, they need to trade leather. Um, and, and, and Usman, when he traded leather with Colby Covington, was pretty fun to watch. I will say that. Um, he wasn't fun to watch against, you know, Damian, trading leather with Damian Maya or, you know, winning a, a grappling-heavy decision over Tyrone Woodley. But, like, if he's forced to trade with somebody like, like you know, Colby Covington, who puts lots of volume and tries to, you know, be a power striker, even though he's not, doing it with Gilbert Burns, I bet you, is fun. And I think that that's Gilbert Burns' path to victory. So I think if it gets that way, I think it's fun. Also, if Burns manages to tag him and gets a submission, like, that probably was also fun to watch. Like, he's not going to get a yeah. submission by laying on his back and guard for four minutes and then throwing up an arm bar at the end. Like, that's not how he's going to catch him. He's going to have to catch him with something pretty exciting. So I actually think if Burns wins, it will be very exciting. If Usman wins, there's almost no chance it was exciting. It was the 15-minute or 25-minute uh, rather grappling fest that yeah. we, we kind of expected. Exactly, I have to agree with that. Um, 
I think that that's probably enough for our, our lovely listeners for this week. Don't you think, Dan, we've given them enough value for, for their uh, money, which is $0 that they're paying for this podcast, correct? Yeah, and I think, too, I, I came in right around where my usual record is. I think I went two and three in these picks. So, yeah, uh, yeah there you that's go. right about what, what they've come to expect from me. So we gave the fans exactly not only what they paid for, but also what they expected. Mediocre performances is what we expect from <laughs> Dan. is what we get. So, um, But UFC may be going dark for three weeks, but we are not because we know you guys can't survive without us, uh, even during the holidays um, when you're trapped at home with, with your family. So you want to you wanna break, you need to listen to us. So we will we will continue to bring you good stuff. If there's a certain topic you want us to cover, um, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at uh, Jeff Fox Writer and Dan is at Gumby Vreeland on Twitter. Um, hit us up there with, with um, any questions, topics, whether it's a specific fight you want broken down or if it's a betting strategy or uh, anything anything along those lines, let us know. If not, um, I'll probably just would probably just do ad reads for a whole episode. Does that sound good? <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I don't want to have to come up with a topic, so Dan, Dan, Dan will do the opening ad reads, and then I'll just do do the other ad reads during the episode, and then we'll just we'll call it a call it a day. Yeah, I don't I don't think that gets many listens, but uh, no? yeah, no, I think we'll, I I could probably find something. <laughs> okay, we'll see. Maybe Santa will Santa will bring us some ideas this week. So, like I said at the top, if you do celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. Uh, I know it's going to be a strange year for a lot of us, but um, hopefully you make the best of whatever situation you're in. If if you're if you're uh, celebrating any other holiday, then a merry, happy, um, fill in the blank for you also. And same to Dan and and his lovely family. Even though he's ruining the show with his bad picks, I still don't. Uh, I still um, wish you the best. Um, the best Christmas that you can possibly have uh, with with a brain which is barely functioning apparently. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for listening once again. Like I said, we'll be back next week with episode number eight. And until then, adios.